You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today I get to chat to Wendy Pascoe. Wendy is a private investigator, something of a rarity within the industry. We don't have very many um, women um, who are operating as private investigators. And this being Women's Month, I thought it would be very interesting to get a woman's perspective. Wendy, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Chad. Wendy, private investigator, how did that come about? Um, Chad, I actually started off my career uh, working for the Pink Ladies. I've always been involved in missing persons. Um, from there, I decided to pursue my private investigating. I started off um, studying while I was with um, Pink Ladies. So uh, I actually specialize in missing persons. So the Pink Ladies is a well-known organization. They're countrywide. They help with, with missing people. But they don't actually investigate. They're more of a liaison. Yes, that's more a uh, awareness campaign. That's basically putting out a flyer and making awareness. Um, I've actually gone one further. I actually do the actual investigate investigations into um, the missing person. Now, for South Africans, the laws changed, and a lot of people are unaware of the actual role of a private investigator. Um, they think if somebody's missing, etc., they should just go report it. And there's a lot of misconceptions about when they can report it, etc. And you're going to be telling us more about that later in the show. But let's go back to to the actual legislation around a private investigator. Can anybody just be a private investigator? Um, no, Chad. Not anybody can be a private investigator. Um, first of all, um, there has been um, a lot of bogus. Uh, think you would agree with me. There's been a lot of bogus investigations. Um, people continuously coming to me saying, I spoke to so-and-so, they promised me this, they promised me that. Um, for one, there's, there's lack of experience for one. They do not know what to do. They are not registered in the industry. And, um, yeah. So, Wendy, why do you think the industry attracts these kind of people that give this bogus information, etc.? Are they preying on people who need assistance when they're the most vulnerable? Um, I think they prey on people because it's, it's quick money. Um, because for one, they certainly do not investigate what, what should be investigated. Um, the families, and I'm also finding more and more um, that the families are left more devastated um, than what they were. It must be very frustrating for you as a private investigator to go out to meet with a family that wants to appoint you, but you have to each and every time go through your credentials and why they should now be appointing you because there are these fly-by-nights that are giving the industry such a bad name. Yes. Um, I also just want to start off by telling you um, they don't see a woman coming. Um, so it's actually um, nice. I, I will be honest with you, I don't know of... Um, any other female private investigators out there? Um, Flabbernats, yes. Um, there certainly are a lot of them. It's it's a surprise to me because one would think that if you've got somebody to investigate something that may have a criminal link to it, that people who are bogus would want to steer very clear of it. It seems like they're drawn to to the limelight. They're drawn to wanting the attention of being the person who can solve this and at the same time try and monetize it, even though they're not capable of doing it. Yes, and yet they still do. Um, I've actually done articles as well um, of families that put put out alerts on social media like Facebook. Um, they actually put down 
all their details. Um, please contact uh, mother of so and so. So they actually giving out all all the family information as well, which it's easier for these flabanats, as you would call them, um, to get inf- uh, family information, and it's also easier to target them. You you actually know what you're looking for. Um, so-and-so has money, they live here, they live there, they're from here, um, this is what we can do. So it's easy, it's easy t- um, targeting people that do put these things out on social media, which is a very big concern. Well, what you're saying to me immediately raises um, concerns because it's not just bogus investigators that now have a lead to a potential um, victim that they can exploit by saying they're investigators, but it can also lead to other information peddlers selling false information. It can also lead to other people pretending to be the kidnappers and and trying to receive the ransom money. You know, they have nothing to do with the actual um, kidnapping if it's a kidnapping for for argument's sake. So I think we need to discuss what information should be put out there, what shouldn't be out there, and the importance of having a professional. Did you learn a lot while you were with the Pink Ladies? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, for one, um, like you said, we'll get back to the, the 24-hour um, waiting period. Um, I think I actually enjoy the investigation side more. Um, the Pink Ladies was more awareness. I enjoy going into it, um, assisting the families and actually getting to the bottom of why the person went missing, how he went missing and, and how um, to help the family. But I have, I've learned a lot um, from the Pink Ladies. I want to talk a bit about your speciality, which is missing persons. Um, let's chat about kidnapping just now. Let's talk about generally um, people that are going missing. Can it be categorized? Would you say that... Um, a lot of missing people are through perhaps drugs, perhaps not wanting to be found, or perhaps geriatrics, people that are elderly and, and are suffering from dementia of sorts. What would you say in terms of your experience with missing people? Um, what kind of people go missing? Chad, I would say um, 80% of your cases are um, drug-related and um, criminal activities associated to um, most most missing. Sure. Um, you do have your suicides, a uh, very small percentage. Um, you have your Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, yes. And then you also have um, your natural disasters. We see in Durban um, where you have your big floods. Um, there have been people that have never been um, found, that have actually drowned, been washed out to sea. Very sad. Um, but, yes, um, each case is different, yes. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the the rising kidnappings in South Africa and what you should do if uh, you find a family member or somebody close to you is a victim of such a crime. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today I'm chatting to Wendy Pascoe. She is a private investigator that specializes in missing persons. She obviously does other investigations, which we'll discuss later in the show, but her speciality is private, invest- private investigations pertaining to missing persons. And I want to talk more about missing persons because there's, a, there's another aspect to missing persons that um, is growing exponentially in South Africa. 
if one looked in the 1980s for kidnappings for, for ransom, one of the top countries in the world was Colombia. When we went into the 1990s, it became Mexico. And into the early 2000s, it became a worldwide phenomenon. But we never really saw it in South Africa as such a phenomenon. South Africa, um, what was listed as kidnappings would often be hijackings gone wrong or hijackings where they would hold a person um, between the hours of, of say, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. so that they could draw money from their account by getting the PIN number from the, the hostage before midnight and then get money again after midnight. But invariably they would release the person in some instances, sadly, and the person may have been raped or may have been murdered. But we now seen an explosion in kidnap for ransom. So, Wendy, when do we know that a missing person has become a kidnapping? Um, Chad, I would say, uh, first of all, you have a look at the circumstances of how the person went missing, where the person went missing from. Uh, activities, uh, what, what has the missing person been up to prior to going missing? Um, it's very true what you say about uh, kidnapping. Um, immediately you would see nowadays you get notification on your phone of any uh, monies withdrawn from your bank account. So um, you would actually pick up on that immediately um, just by looking at the person's uh, activities prior to going missing. Now, for you as an investigator, and obviously we can't discuss um, industry secrets of how we track people, how we trace people, etc. But you obviously have a specific um, way in which you take your your information, you use that information, and you start looking for that missing person. Is it different with the kidnapping? It's very different with the kidnapping. For one, um, that's not something I usually put out um, missing posters to make it easier. You always have information coming in that, that feeds you and helps you with the investigation. Um, with kidnapping, that's very different. You don't know what situation that person is in. Um, you cannot put that out on a flyer because of the fear that this uh, person uh, might uh, be killed uh, before even receiving a ransom because they've now been put out there, um, the kidnappers might change um, their view on wanting the money, um, thinking that police are now involved, they have to change their tactics, they now have a missing person and they can't continue with the kidnapping. For those that are just joining us, I'm chatting to Wendy Pascoe and I'm trying to get to the crux of the importance of having a private investigator to facilitate or to liaise should a family go through the trauma of having somebody go missing or having the trauma of somebody being kidnapped. And a lot of people misunderstand the role that the private investigator plays. What would you say essentially is the role a private investigator would play um, first in a missing persons case and then secondly in a kidnapping case? Okay, in a missing persons case, um, I would say your missing persons case, uh, we have a big problem um, with school children, um, you would say runaways. Um, you have that especially uh, close to holiday season, you will have a lot of teenagers um, leaving home and then after holiday season's finished they, they would return. Um, there you would start by also looking at activities, um, try and get hold of the friends, um, going through all avenues that you can to try and locate the person, um, put out missing posters, um, missing route, go through SAPs. Um, it's very important to open a case with SAPs um, in case something does go wrong. Um, you do have the police, law enforcement backing. 
um, that's why it's important to open a case. It's also important to open a case. Um, you can't just put a, a, a child, especially a minor child's face, um, in public. So when you do open a case, your the SAP 55, your form that you do fill in, indemnifies the police to give you the authority um, to put the, the, that person's face out on a post or a flyer. Um, these flyers help extremely. Um, the public do phone phone in, and um, that's how we go about investigating the missing person. So let me understand it. From a missing person perspective, your role is procedural. You know what should be done. The, the family are distraught. The family are concerned. The family are anxious. Um, sometimes they go to a police station and the police officer is misinformed and doesn't understand the process that's to be followed. Whereas if they engage with somebody who knows the procedural manner in which to report it, you expedite it and you liaise. That's right, yes. Um, a lot of people don't know how to report um, people missing. Um, we do still battle with some of the stations, but um, not as much as in the past. With the new laws that have come in effect, um, there's no waiting period, um, so that can be reported immediately. But a lot of a lot of um, families do not know what to do when somebody does go missing. So where does this misconception come from? Some people say you have to wait 24 hours. Some say you have to wait as long as 48 hours. And some police officers actually genuinely believe that there's a waiting period before you have to report a missing person. This is totally untrue. Where does this misconception come from? Chad, this is very interesting. Um, this actually comes from, from TV, um, 48 hours. Um, so it, it's, it's been passed on from one person to another. But I know in law enforcement, um, prior to the 24 hours coming in, um, in effect, um, they, they did give you time to first see if the person would come back. Your daughter's missing. Uh, she's gone to a friend's house. She's crossed with her mother. Um, she'll be back um, later the evening or tomorrow morning. So they generally used to give you... Um, that time period to see if the person would come back. But because things have now become so bad, um, you can't, you can't risk, um, the 24 hour, 48 waiting hour period anymore. Wendy, when you say things have become so bad, have you seen an increase in missing persons? And it's a twofold question. Are the authorities taking it more seriously? Yes, they are. Um, actually, um, that's what I was going to mention earlier. With a new law that has come in effect, uh, they've actually changed. Um, in in the past, they used to assign um, cases to uh, whichever um, police officer was available to take the case. Now they have um, the detectives that are assigned especially to the cases. They have the FCS unit for the children, which is very nice. So um, they are there specifically assigned to a case. In the past, they used to deal with missing persons. They used to be on the field. Um, so that they did not specifically focus on missing persons, where now they have um, actual units focusing just on missing persons. And if you yourself, um, coming from Pink Ladies, moving into the private sector, helping families with, with the trauma of, of dealing with a missing person, have you seen an increase? Yes, there's been a huge increase, um, missing persons. Missing persons. Missing persons. A big increase in missing persons. And the sad thing, um, there's a lot of um, little children going missing. Um, and also there's been a big increase in criminal activity. Uh, so we're finding that a lot more deceased are turning up. 
very, very, very sad topic. But of course, there are those those instances that make it all worthwhile when you do find people. And that's what we're going to chat about after the break. We're going to take our, our halfway break. And of course, with it being Women's Month, I'm going to be playing one of uh, my favorite anthems for women. So here it is, Raw by Katy Perry. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We are known as the people of the book. We are literally literary connoisseurs, consumers of words and prose, sharers of ideas. In short, we are readers. High FM is starting a book club. Would you like to be one of the High FM book club readers? You'll receive a book every month to review on the radio for our listening community. It's social, it's fun, it's mentally enlightening. We're looking for people with a wide range of reading topics and genres. Get in touch. Email books at highfm.com. Well, I'll be quite honest. Growing up, if I didn't have books, and even now, if I didn't have books, I don't know what would happen to me. I think I'd go off my head. It is the one form of relaxation that I really enjoy. You get to learn and you get to go into a different world, a world of your own. You can turn that story, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, where you're learning something or fiction where you're just losing yourself. Books are so important in every single aspect. It's the middle of Women's Month, and um, in keeping with our theme, we've been interviewing people from um, law enforcement that involve women. We've had Advocate Jacqueline Fick on the show, who is the ex-Deputy um, National Director of Public Prosecution. She was responsible um, for the Scorpions, and she was a special advisor to the then NDPP. We've had Lynette Swanepoel on the show. She is a expert in medical fraud, and she is with both the ACFESA as well as with um, the South African Fraud Prevention Services. And today we're chatting to proud investigator Wendy Pascoe, who's an expert in missing persons. Wendy, getting back to what we were discussing, we were discussing missing persons. We were discussing um, kids that, that run away before holidays, perhaps geriatrics that are suffering from either Alzheimer's or dementia, etc. But let's talk about the stuff that that people don't really want to hear about but need to hear about. Let's talk about the children that are going missing because there's pedophiles out there. Let's talk about the people that are going missing because they're successful in business. Are you seeing an increase in crime-related missing people? Yes, definitely. Um, Chad, they're also um, picking up um, as technology progresses. Um, I don't know if you remember the Bitcoin kidnapping. Um, so they even go that route. Um, so children, let's look at children, for example. Children are becoming targets. Are they targets because they're children? Are people taking advantage, kidnapping them, um, molesting them, raping them, murdering them because those people are pedophiles or are they kidnapping them because they're soft targets? Okay, there are different circumstances. Um, you do, you do have your, your, um, sadly, your muti killings. You do have your pedophiles. Um, I've actually started, um, campaigning at the schools. Making more awareness there. Human trafficking um, is another um, concern as well. If something's too good to be true, um, definitely do not take it. A lot of a lot of these school girls have been offered jobs. Um, a lot of them still haven't been found, which is also very sad. Families, families also. Uh, a lot of people focus on the missing. They don't actually know what the families go through. Um, there's one specific family. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Desiree Reed case. Uh, the mother has not coped there at all. Uh, she's been missing for 17 years, never been found. So that takes us to Gert van Royen and his girlfriend, Joey. That case has 
kept South Africa at the edge of their seats forever. There have been so many charlatans that have become involved that said they know where these girls are. Some of these girls may be alive. They were sold into international trafficking groups. We had some chap who had some device that said he could trace them anywhere in the world. That case, why do you believe it's, it's, there's still so much focus around a case that dates back to the late 1980s? Chad, I think it's because there's no closure. Um, there were no leads. There's no closure for the families. Um, the families, I think there, as, as long as there's, there's, that person is not there, there'll always be that hope for that person to come home. So I think that's what, there's never been closure. So I think everybody will always be guessing what really happened there. So it's heartbreaking because it's not just the person that's missing, but it's by extension their family and friends that for the rest of their lives will have unanswered questions and perhaps blame themselves. That's right, yes. Um, especially when, when children go missing. Um, that I think that must be very I – can, I can just imagine what that family must go through, yes. Let's talk. Um, non-official statistics. Let's talk about statistics that you've come across, both at Pink Ladies and now in the private sector. How many people would be reported to you on a daily basis as going missing? Um, with Pink Ladies, I know um, between 12, 12 and 20 a day. Uh, that's across South Africa. And then uh, myself uh, would do between four and eight a day, which is also a lot. Um, mine, I actually go into the actual investigation. Um, remember Pink Ladies is out there to create awareness, which is really very important, um, which is why it's important for the public to also take note of when that does go out. Um, but with me uh, actually going into the investigation of the missing, I do between, I'd say, four and eight a day. And what, what is your closure rate on those? Uh, closure rate is pretty good. Um, I do go into detail. I do find most of them. The ones I do find, uh, don't find, unfortunately, are either deceased uh, or criminal activities involved. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, Limentua is a case that's still ongoing. He's never been found. Four-year-old little boy that went missing. And then there's also, um, like I mentioned to you, uh, Desiree Reed went missing uh, 17 years ago. You have uh, Megan Michelle Phillies, 24-year-old. Uh, she's never been found. She went missing three years ago. And then you also have um, Donovan uh, Mehelal. He's 28 years old. He went uh, missing July last year. So, yes. It's very sad. I saw a picture of, of a schoolboy circulating um, a couple of months ago, and it turned out this boy went missing about 20-odd years ago. And that's the only picture available, and they haven't done any um, age regression pictures, etc. And one sees this picture, and this is how people still imagine this person, that this person's a child. Meanwhile, it's now, if that person had to be alive, and the chances are slim, they're an adult. Yes. I actually did an interview um, with the star where I did do an age progress on um, Desiree Reed. Um, 100%. I mean, you, you won't know who you're looking for. Um, so, yes, I, I certainly do. I, I try and go as far as I can. Uh, with Desiree Reed, I've done the age progress, and um, that certainly does help with the investigating years. We're chatting to Wendy Pasco about missing and kidnapped persons. We'll be back straight after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM.
It's Women's Month, so we're chatting to a woman investigator. And no, I'm not being patronizing or condescending. It's just that there is, it's, there's such a scarcity of women investigators out there. And I think they bring so much more to the table. We always talk about women's gut instinct. We talk about them being able to relate differently. And as I said, without being patronizing or condescending, women bring something very important to the table, especially when it comes to the investigation of children. Um, do you, do you have to, do you have to be hard with your, with your, your, your clients, those who, who, who've lost children, etc.? Do you have to be firm with them? Um, yes, you do have to be firm with them. Um, I find a lot of the time uh, people don't want their private lives out there. So they are not forthcoming with the information that you need. So you have to be hard on them. Um, Joe Soap's gone missing. Does Joe Soap do drugs? Are they involved in narcotics? No, my child will never do drugs. And then it does turn out that he has been um, doing drugs. He's been in that circle. So, yes, you certainly have to be hard to get information out to be able to assist the family. I'll tell you what upsets me. Um, the, inve- the, the, the organization I'm with investigates primarily financial crime or organized crime. But a few years ago, in fact, quite a long time ago, if people asked us to help with kidnapping or missing persons cases, we would look at it. And we have two current cold cases, as you know, um, the Nazir Muhammad case and the, and the Ralph Haynes case. But we don't get involved in active cases the way you do. And one of the reasons for that is because of the frustration we had with families believing that their children have been kidnapped by Nigerians. Meanwhile, these kids were with the Nigerian drug lords or, or of any other nationality for that matter. It just so happened that most of the cases we worked happened to be Nigerians. And they would collude to steal money from the family so that this kid could buy more drugs. So the kid would say, listen, I'm going to tell my family that you've kidnapped me. When you get the money, can I have more drugs? Have you come across cases like that? Yes, definitely, all the time. And I always tell them, do not pay any money. Do not pay any money. By you trying to help your daughter or your son um, come back home and you feeding them with money, you certainly are not going to help them come back home because it's like you say, it's actually feeding their habit. So wherever they are, they're feeding their habit, you paying them, and they just continuing with with, money. what they but Wendy, this creates problems for you now because now you may not necessarily be told by the family that the teenager that's missing or the person in their early 20s that's missing has been a drug user because they think perhaps you won't take the case as seriously or the police won't take the case as seriously. Meanwhile, if they had told you this up front, you would then be able to come to the conclusion um, based on the on previous patterns that this person may in fact be playing them to get money to support their habit. Yes, um, Chad, the devil's in the fine print. Um, it always the truth always comes out. So when you start talking to the friends, uh, friends of friends, it all starts to unravel, and then you actually get. Behind what is actually happening Yes So let's talk about the reality of real kidnappings Are we seeing a spike in kidnappings in South Africa? A big spike, yes And it's actually gone from 50,000 to 50 million um, Kidnappings have become a big thing yes. In terms of the ransom money? Yes So people in the past were asking for up to 50,000 rand They're now asking for in the region of 50 million rand Yes But who has that kind of money? You also You also um, before I answer that question, I also just want to mention to you, you also have um, your your bogus 
kidnappers that want uh, 3,000 in cash sent or what are those those other cash E-wallet. Yes, e-wallet, cash send, 3,000 or 5,000. I don't know what the limit is, but you can pick up on that pretty fast as well. But that's a big thing as well. Um, I'm getting a lot of um, uh, calls, e-wallet, we have so-and-so. If you don't pay 3,000, we're going to chop off the arm or whatever the case may be. So yes. what's happened there? They've hacked somebody's phone. You can't get hold of somebody. They send you a message and say, by the way, we've kidnapped so-and-so. You need to e-wallet us so much immediately. Posting your details on social media. If somebody goes missing, do not put all your details on social media. Go the correct route. Go to law enforcement. Go to SAPS. Go and open a case. These organizations are there to help as well. Pink ladies are out there to help as well. Um, do not post all your information on social media. When do you pique my interest? We we spoke about kidnap for ransom, which is growing in South Africa, and you said it ranges from fifty thousand rand to fifty million rand. Is there a specific um, community that's been targeted? Are there specific people that have been targeted? Because if 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 somebody had to kidnap my child, I don't have children, by the way, but if I had a child and they asked me for fifty million rand. I don't have 50 million rand. How, how is it that they're able to ask for such high ransoms? Okay, your kidnappings vary. Um, your, your high kidnappings are especially under the Muslims. Um, they all deal with cash. Um, they, they do do their research before they do the kidnappings with a, with a higher um, amount of kidnappings. If you're talking about a 50 million rand kidnapping, they're going to know that you have 50 million. They know that you you deal in cash only. They know that you can get the the, the cash quick and easy. And also, um, I think they they target families. Uh, that are scared to go to the police. You have families that are here illegally. They're going to pay the ransom, and that is why they get targeted as well. So for those listeners that don't know about this, there has been a massive spike in kidnap for ransom in South Africa in specific communities where they've studied different families, identified high net worth individuals, kidnapped those high net worth individuals. It hasn't been in the public. Only isolated cases have been made public because in most instances the families negotiate and start paying. Um, we've seen kidnaps in Polokwane, in Mafeking, in Laudium, in Lanasia, in Fordsburg as the primary areas. And we know that there's a Pakistani syndicate that's operating in South Africa that used to operate in Maputo. Do you think that it's helping that the families are just paying and not telling the authorities? Because it seems to be aiding in the increase. But it's a catch-22 because they want their, their family member returned safely, but they're showing the kidnappers just how easy it is for the kidnapper to get away with it. Yes. Um, I think it's very important there to work with law enforcement on this and, and not keep it hidden. Um, it certainly would help with hostage, hostage negotiation situations as well. Um, it is not always necessarily, necessary to pay the money. I think it's just easier on the families. Uh, like I said, a lot of these families are scared to deal with law enforcement going through the kidnapping process, yes. We're going to take our last break of the day. When we come back, um, we're going to find out how you can get in touch with Wendy if you'd like her to come chat to a school, an organization perhaps, about what they need to do to make their children aware of what's going on around them and the importance of not running away perhaps because of the of the anguish that it causes and also what you can do if you're ever in the unfortunate position of having somebody close to you go missing. 
You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we'll be talking about the reality of missing persons and kidnapped persons in South Africa. It is a growing threat, and yes, there are children that are running away just to spite their children, their, their parents or their teachers or their friends. Perhaps they had an argument. Perhaps their marks weren't as good as they expected. But there's obviously the more nefarious side to it, where there are kidnappings taking place. People are being murdered. There's multi killings in South Africa. We see throughout Africa albino people being kidnapped specifically for body parts, etc. And it's become a growing threat, especially kidnap for ransom. So today we've been chatting to Wendy Pascoe. She is an expert, and she's now going to chat to you about what she can do in terms of awareness, if you want to get hold of her, and what kind of talk she can give. And she's going to be giving you her contact details. So if you're interested in more about awareness about missing people or kidnap people, listen up now. Thanks, Chad. Yes, um, like I said, uh, I'm targeting schools. I'd like to... Um, Target human trafficking, especially, and um, teens going missing. That's that's been a very big one. Um, so I will be available to talk at the schools if they want to phone me. I'll be available. I do a presentation. I do do one on one. The kids do get to ask questions. Um, what if uh, somebody follows me from school? Uh, which is nice. Um, these are all things they don't get to ask. Um, so yes, schools can certainly phone me. I am doing awareness there. My contact details, uh, you can contact me on 072-649-7683. I have a website as well, um, www.pascoinvestigations.co.za. Social media? Social media. Uh, I have a Facebook page. I'm also, uh, I've got the Pasco Investigations uh, Facebook page. I have the Wendy Pasco uh, Facebook page. Uh, email wendy at pascoinvestigations.co.za. I'll be uploading all of that to the Confidential Brief Radio Show uh, Facebook page. Um, I think it's very important for us to educate our children and also perhaps organizations that deal with the elderly. Um, elderly people, unfortunately and very sadly, do suffer from Alzheimer's, from dementia, from other forms of, of geriatric type disease that will impact on on their bearings. And, and some of them do get lost. We saw over the weekend there was a man that was missing that was found by the North Police Station and they didn't know who he was. Um, they, they, they published his picture in the hope that uh, someone would come forward and be able to recognize who he was. There was a case with a child that was found very recently and the child, um, didn't, wasn't able to, to adequately describe who their parents were, etc. So I think it's vitally important that we train up organizations, we talk to people that are involved in old age homes, all the way down to people that are involved with pre-primary schools. So go to pascoinvestigations.co.za. Um, or to the Facebook page, Pesco Investigations, or Wendy Pesco. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much, Chad. And um, let's hope that uh, your success rate continues and that more people are found and that more cases turn out to be, um, you know, genuinely missing persons that are found rather than nefarious kidnappings or worse. Thanks very much, Chad. You've been listening to... A confidential brief right here on Chai FM. If you enjoyed today's show, the podcast will be uploaded tomorrow and there will be a repeat later in the week.